Hello friends, welcome to Log On at 11, Spurgeon Baptist Church's online presence during this COVID season. As has become our practice, we're going to use a little liturgy just to hold the service together. Uh, If you have a print copy, everything in bold type is what we say together. Everything in light type, I shall say on my own. If you're following on the screen, everything in yellow type is what we say together. So let's begin. In the beginning, before time, before people, before the world began, God was. Here and now, among us, beside us, enlisting the people of the earth for the purposes of heaven, God is. In the future, when we will have turned to dust, and all we know has found its fulfilment, God will be. Let us pray. Loving God, you are faithful, just and forgiving. Help us now to grasp the greatness of your love. Where we have failed to love and loved to hurt, forgive us and heal us. Where we have scorned difference, and have been indifferent to those in need. Forgive us and heal us. Where we have spoken harsh words to others and have been quick to take offence ourselves. Forgive us and heal us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Hello. Well, the theme for today is blessing. And it made me think, whilst we all know and understand what a blessing is, could you describe it to someone who asked you, what is a blessing? Well, I have to confess, I struggled a bit. I mean, it's something maybe that comes from God. It's it's when... Well, when I find something difficult to explain, I look at what the dictionary says. What it says for blessing, I found quite interesting. Like for many words, it has different explanations. Firstly, the act of invoking divine protection or aid to call upon God to protect. Wow. Or to give approval or good wishes, bringing happiness. And lastly, a happy event. <laughs> I find it quite interesting that we start with invoking protection from God and finish up with a happy event. I suppose it depends how you look at it, whether you look at it from a Christian perspective or not. A Christian would probably say a blessing does come from God, but to a non-Christian it's just a happy or a good thing. Well, there are a number of common phrases that use the word bless or blessing. When somebody sneezes, Somebody may well say, bless you, and we know that originated as God bless you. Similarly, someone may look at a baby or a young child, maybe that's particularly cute, and go, oh, bless. My mum always used to say, count your blessings, as in be grateful for the things that you have. To be blessed with something is always a positive thing. I'm also reminded of a scene from the show and the film Fiddler on the Roof, 
when a village of suppressed people under Russian rule asked their rabbi, is there a blessing for the Tsar? He thinks for a moment and then says, may God bless and keep the Tsar well away from us. <laughs> I love the turning a negative into a positive, a good thing. Blessings are an important part of the Jewish custom, reflecting God's involvement in all aspects of their life. But I wonder, have you ever thought of people as being a blessing? Well, there are certainly people who have had a positive impact in the world because of their actions. So thinking of that, I thought it would be fun to have a short quiz about people who have had an impact on our world. So let's let's have a look at six famous people, shall we? Now, it's just for fun, but if you want to score, I'm going to give you three clues. So you can have three points if you get it after the first one, and then two, and then one, and then, well, obviously, nothing if you have to wait for me to give you the answer. But let's make a start with our first person. First clue. I was born in Albania in 1910 and became a Catholic nun. Ooh. Second clue. I moved to Ireland aged 18 to learn English and intended to become a missionary. Mm. Third clue. I moved to India where I spent most of the rest of my life dedicated to serving the poor. We got it? It is, of course, Mother Teresa. Our second person. First clue. I was an American Baptist minister born in Atlanta, Georgia in 1929. I led a number of marches for civil rights. And the last clue. I delivered a speech in Washington in 1963, becoming famous for the phrase, I have a dream, and was assassinated in 1968. I'm sure you've got him now. It was Martin Luther King. Well, our third person. First clue. I was born into the Tembu Roar family in Mavetso, and became a lawyer. Hmm. I might not have got pronunciation of those places right, but I may give you a clue. Second one. I was repeatedly arrested and in 1962 was sentenced to life imprisonment for conspiring to overthrow the state. Wow. Last clue. I was released from prison in 1990 and in 1994 became president of South Africa. I'm sure you've got him now. It was, of course, Nelson Mandela. How's your history? British history? Well, we'll find out with our fourth person. First clue. I was a British politician straggling the 18th and 19th centuries and championed causes and campaigns for reform. Mm. Second clue. An evangelical Christian, I also founded the Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. I'm not sure that helps you any, but it's quite interesting. Last clue. Sadly, I died three days before an Act of Parliament banned slavery in most of the British Empire in 1833. Got him now. His name is William Wilberforce. Our fifth person. First clue. I'm an Irish rock singer. <laughs> Second clue. My band had a number one hit with the song I Don't Like Mondays in 1979. Got him yet? Last clue. Along with Midyear in 1985, 
I organised one of the largest fundraising concerts for famine relief. That was Live Aid. It was, of course, Bob Geldof. Our last person. First clue. Although born in India, I trained as a lawyer in London and then spent 21 years in South Africa. Hmm. Second clue. Returning to India in 1915, I set about organising workers to protest about discrimination and became an advocate for non-violent resistance. Third clue. I campaigned for India's independence from British rule and inspired movements for civil rights and freedom across the world, despite being assassinated in 1948. That was Mahatma Gandhi. So how did you do? Well, all these and many others have influenced and affected the world by their actions. Society being blessed by people doing good things. So people can be a blessing, but it doesn't have to be a huge act or one that would endanger life. The simplest of acts can have a huge impact. Maybe you've been blessed by someone or a simple act from someone you know. Conversely, have you ever thought of yourself as a blessing? Doing things for other people, they are blessed by your actions. Conversely, when others do something for you, you are blessed by them. If you do the right thing, God will bless whatever you do. By being aware of each other and by helping each other, we all become a blessing to each other. Or may we all continue to do good things and to do the right thing and be a blessing. Now there's the thought, or even a blessing. Good morning. This morning's reading is taken from Genesis 27 verses 1 through to 40. Jacob gets Isaac's blessing. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and I and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver and bow and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare for me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me me two choice young goats, so that I can prepare them, just prepare some tasty food for your father, just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat, so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, But my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a man with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tickling him, and he would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. 
His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebecca took the best clothes of Isu, her older son, which she had in the house and put them on her younger son Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goat skins. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you might give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Jacob said to uh, sorry, then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. Jacob went to his father, Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognise him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he blessed him. Are you really my son Esau? He asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat, so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him, and he ate it, and he bought some wine, and he drank it. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew of, and of earth's richness an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give you me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me too, my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? He has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright and now he has taken my blessing. Then he asked, Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him lord over you and I have made all his relatives his servants and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, 
Do you only have one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's riches, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from your neck. Amen. Uh, the story of Jacob uh, in Genesis, the uh, third generation of blessing, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Isaac, uh, the original child of the promise, is getting old now and can't see so well and he wants to put his affairs in order. Um, he's an old man, he doesn't know when he's going to die, but he clearly feels that the end is not far away uh, and he wants to put his house in order, as it were. So Esau, my son, go out into the fields and hunt down some game and make me some food like you know I enjoy. Uh, come back and bring it to me. Uh, we'll eat together and then I'll give you my blessing. Uh, because, of course, in this particular part of Genesis, uh, from Abraham on towards the end, it is all about uh, the transmission of blessing from one generation to the other. That's how the the story unfolds, and that's the uh, thread that binds the narrative uh, for each successive generation. And it's interesting to note from this point onwards that the blessing does not go in the way that we might expect it to go. Uh, we were saying last week about the eldest, and usually the eldest is the one that receives everything. And in this narrative, we would expect the blessing to go to the eldest son. Uh, but that is not what is going to happen here. Uh, we remember, don't we, from last week when the two boys were jostling in the womb, Rebecca inquired of the Lord and the Lord told her, you've got two nations within your womb uh, and the older is going to serve the younger. We also know from uh, our recollection of last week's reading that uh, Isaac loved Esau, and if you like, Esau was his favourite, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Jacob was his favourite. Uh, and these things are going to play out uh, and do play out today in our reading uh, and in the sermon. So uh, there, there is an interesting family dynamic uh, that's operating here. Uh, and in the background is this notion of God's plan being worked out. And there are no explanations in this story, especially in this part of the story. There are, there's no attempt to defend what God is doing. Uh, there's no attempt to explain why the blessing is moving away from the oldest to the youngest, moving from the one we would expect to be blessed to the one that we would not expect 
to be blessed. And we may come back to that, uh, if not this week, then in a future, on a future occasion. So when, when we're coming to the end of life, um, I mean, and this is something uh, I've become aware of as my ministry has unfolded and continued down through the years. Whenever I've been around people that, that, that become aware that life is drawing to a close, they very often want to put things in order and do put things in order. Uh, and clearly that is what uh, Isaac is doing. He knows the end is near. He wants to pass on his blessing and he's making preparation for that. Now, whether or not he knows about the prophecy is moot. We don't think he does because uh, it wasn't to him that God spoke. It was to Rebecca when she asked about the jostling in the womb. And we don't know whether she said anything uh, to her husband at all. So whether, whether or not Isaac knows, we don't know. But we are absolutely clear uh, that Rebecca does know uh, and is aware. And we're also aware that the younger son is her favourite. So what's going to happen? Well, we know, don't we? Uh, a massive deception is perpetrated. Um, if this prophecy is going to be fulfilled, something will have to be done. Uh, and it, Rebecca has been somehow listening at the door, uh, it seems, as uh, Isaac and Esau, father and eldest son, have been having this conversation about blessing. Uh, and of course, that's what we want. We all want a blessed life. Uh, and she's very aware that if her favoured child, if her favourite son is going to receive the blessing, something will have to be done. And it will have to be done quite quickly because Esau is now going out into the field. He's going to hunt. He's going to bring back something and it could take a couple of hours. Who knows? But the clock is running. That's really what we know. Uh, and so she's got some work to do uh, and she's got a plan and she puts the plan into practice. Um, go and kill a couple of goats. Bring them to me. I will cook the food. Um, we'll sort it. We'll, and, and Jacob says, look, I'm, I'm smooth. I'm not a hairy man like my brother. Uh, Dad's going to know. And if dad works out what's going on, it's not going to be a blessing. It's going to be a curse. Uh, and that would be a terrible thing to try and live under a curse. And Rebecca is so keen for her favoured child to receive this blessing that she says, let the curse fall on me. She's willing to live a cursed life in order that her son, her favoured child, her favourite son will receive this blessing. So they they perpetrate this massive fraud. They, you know, he, he goes and gets two goats. Uh, they slaughter them. Uh, she cooks them up. She takes skin, the, the goat skin, and puts it on the back of his neck where dad is likely to put his hand and on the back of his hands covers him, you know, with the goat skin. So he feels hairy, dresses him in Esau's clothes, which, of course, there happen to be some 
his finest clothes are in the house and she knows where they are. Um, gives him the food. He takes it in. Uh, Isaac can't see properly anymore. Um, who is it? It's me. It's Esau. Um, I've come to give you the food. You know, wow, that was quick. Yeah, well, God, God has favoured me in the hunt. And how easily the words just trip off the tongue, you know, when you've got your plan and you know how it's, going to, it's supposed to work. There's still risk with this. Uh, and Isaac is not stupid and says, it sounds like Jacob, but it feels like Esau. Uh, and when he says to him, come and kiss me, it smells like Esau. And that's what does it for Isaac. And he gives him the blessing. Uh, interestingly, you know, when when they were doing this thing with the birthright last week, it was very open and above board, wasn't it? Um, Esau comes in from the field, hungry, smells the stew that Jacob has cooked. God, give me some stew. I'm starving. Um, sell me your birthright. What good is a birthright to a starving man, a dying man? Uh, no, promise me. Yeah, all right, promise. I promise you can have my birthright. Right, there you go. Here's the stew. So it's very open and above board. Here, there's a massive deception is being perpetrated. A massive fraud is underway. Uh, and it's taken a lot of thinking through and working out. Um, and it, it is a deception. And again, this is one of the issues I've, I find with this story. The transmission of the blessing from one generation to the next is going to happen. Uh, and the blessing is going to go to the younger son, which is what God wills. We, we don't know why. This is the difficult thing, isn't it? We don't know why it's going to the younger son. We can ask as often as we like, but God is just not going to answer this. And the narrator gives us no clues. Uh, we don't know whether there was, you know, a defective character as far as Esau's concerned. We, we have no idea. Why should it not be the eldest? Maybe it's because we expect that. And God has a way of turning things upside down in his kingdom. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. It's very hard, isn't it, all of this? But blessing is going to happen, even with this collusion, with the deception, even with this deception going on, blessing is going to happen. And it does happen. And Isaac blesses <clears throat> Jacob, thinking it's Esau. And what a blessing it is. The, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. It's massive, this blessing. It's huge. It's broad. There's a breadth and a depth to it. There's a and, and uh, there's a power and a force behind the words. Uh, Isaac would not willingly 
give this blessing to Jacob. Uh, Isaac is being deceived by his wife and by his youngest son. But God's purpose is being worked out, even in the midst of this great deception. Um, this is the fulfilment of the prophecy that was given to Rebecca while the two boys were in the womb. And this is the consequence of the selling of the birthright, which so easily was let go of last week by the eldest brother, unthinkingly let go of. And it's only now, in fact, very shortly, that we will see, <coughs> excuse me, we will see exactly what this means for both of the brothers and the father. So, the blessing is being passed on to the next generation. The fraud is successfully carried through. The goat is prepared. Jacob puts on the goat skin and wears Esau's clothes. Isaac is deceived, gives the blessing, and, you know, there it all is. Uh, and there's a magnificent edge around the blessing. There's a richness in the language, and it's clear how much Isaac loves Esau and how much he wants him to be blessed. But, of course, it's not Esau on the receiving end of this. And Jacob leaves his father. Uh, having received the blessing and it's almost like Jacob goes out of one door and Esau comes in another it's it's like a flipping white all fast really um, it's one door opens one one son leaves another door opens the eldest son comes in uh, dad sit up I've brought you the food off you go what who are you I'm Esau oh who was that that's just gone and suddenly suddenly Isaac realizes what has happened and there is such anger and sorrow uh, verse verse 32 onwards his father Isaac asked him who are you I'm your son he answered your firstborn Esau verse 33 Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, me too, my father. But I can't. Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. The words have been spoken. They can't be taken back. Uh, it can't be withdrawn. It's not like a, you know, a second-hand car that you, you know, you can you just bring it back and pass it on to somebody else. The blessing has been given. The words have a power beyond themselves. Uh, the sadness of this, I don't think, can be understated. There's a, a massive pathos in this scene. You know, it's, this is like a, a little play in four acts. 
Act one, Isaac and Esau have their conversation and, you know, go and get me some food and then I'll give you my blessing. Um, Act two, Rebecca and Jacob uh, organising the deceit. Act three, the deceit is perpetrated. Act four, uh, father and elder son come together again and realise what has happened. And there's there's great sadness in this. And and in fact, as as those that are hearing the story, we are drawn to these two, aren't we? To the father and to the eldest son. There is we have great sympathy for them because of this great deception that has been perpetrated. And for Jacob and for Rebecca, well slightly more ambivalent i'm although jacob is the child of the promise now one feels nothing but contempt for them really how could you do this how could you do this to your father how could you do this to your husband how could you do this to your brother and and it's outrage and shock and anger but this has been done and our shock and horror and outrage does not change anything. Our sympathy for the father and the eldest son changes nothing. Things are as they are. And what can we learn? Well, life is as it is, isn't it? And for all of our wishing and for all of our sympathy or otherwise, God will have his way. This is hard. But this is part of the story. And we must allow the story to speak to us. We must allow that to inform us and not try to shape the story to our expectation we must allow it to shape and form and transform us and the way that we see the world because the world of the bible is very different and challenges all of our preconceptions like the one about the eldest being the one that will receive everything, like the one about the eldest being the one that will receive the blessing. Of course, that seems the right way around to us. But it's not the way that God wants to operate in this instance. And so we have to allow that to speak to us. And we have to allow, sometimes we have to allow the Bible to challenge our understanding of the world and our notion of what is right and what is wrong. The blessing is transmitted to the next generation, but it's gone, we would say, to the wrong son. The selling of the birthright episode, uh, which we were you know, party to, which we were witnesses of, uh, we've seen the way that this is worked through now. And we see the cost of the loss of this to Esau. Esau is absolutely 
beside himself, and so is Isaac. Uh, and Esau is breathing murderous threats against his brother, the one who has been blessed. And interestingly, again, this stands against everything that we would understand. God has caused Jacob to be the one that is blessed. Now, a blessed man. So should be comfortable, surely. Should be at ease, surely. But not for this one. The blessing in this instance causes him to be fearful for his life. This blessing, this deception, uh, which has led to blessing, causes him to have to leave home hurriedly and not be at ease. He is not comfortable. He's in fear of his life and he has to run. So this story challenges everything that we understand, I think, uh, about God's nature and activity in our own lives. So often we look and if things are going well, we say God is blessing. When things are going wrong, very often we will wonder, where is God in this? Is God in this? This story tells us quite clearly that when our lives are chaotic, God can be at the heart of all that is going on. Perhaps we need to pray for discernment. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you once again for the privilege and the responsibility of prayer, prayer for others. We begin with uh, Uganda and the elections that are happening in that country. We know that there is uh, there seems to be a desire for change amongst many of the younger people of that country. Uh, and the election is being pitched uh, in terms of uh, secure future or a new start. We pray for all those involved. Uh, ask that campaigning will have gone uh, peacefully and well, and that the election will yield a result that truly reflects the will of the people who have voted. Uh, we know only too well what happens when doubt is cast on the legitimacy of election results. We pray for the <coughs> people of India, particularly those who live in Punjab, and the farmers there who are in dispute with government over reform of uh, farming. And that state has a, a massive uh, interest in farming. We know, Lord, as indeed they know, that things do need to change. But there seems to, to have been a breakdown of trust between the farming community and the government. We pray that communications would re remain open and that each side would be able to clearly hear what the other is saying. We pray that that might be resolved in due course continue to pray for all those scientists 
healthcare professionals and others who are working in the battle against COVID-19. We continue to be encouraged by the number of vaccines that are being um, validated and uh, uh, passed as fit for use. Uh, we pray for our own country and ask that many more sites would be found to offer uh, vaccination, uh, that everything that can be done will be done to make sure that sufficient vaccine is available uh, at these sites and that in really short order all of us will have been protected against this virus. We thank you, Father, for the people that we know and love. We continue to pray for them and work for their well-being. We thank you for the community larder and for all that they're doing uh, to prevent food waste and to make food available to those that need it most. We pray for our friends, for Chris, Ken, Adrienne and Hugh, Eric, Les, Dot, Margaret and Bob, Peter, Jesse, Dennis and Shirley, Mary, Jay, Terry, Naomi, Nigel, Lynn, Graham, Lauren and Lewis, Ron, Gail, Joyce, Andy and Dawn's family following her death, Michael, MJ and Chris. We gather up all of our prayers as we say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We say the canticle together. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We come to share communion. Uh, the way we're going to do this is I'm going to read the words that I would normally read. When we're in church together, I will lead the prayers that I would normally lead. Uh, you'll need a piece of bread and you'll need a little wine or whatever you're substituting for wine. Uh, and we will eat and drink together and I'll be very clear about when we do that and how we do that. You just follow what I am doing. So if you truly and earnestly repent of your sins 
and are in love and charity with your neighbours, and are resolved to lead a new life, following the commandments of God and walking henceforth in his holy ways, then draw near with faith and take this sacrament to your comfort and growth in grace. Come to this sacred table, not because you must, but because you may. Come not to testify that you are righteous, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciples. Come not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Not because you have any claim on heaven's rewards, but because in your frailty and sin, you stand in constant need of heaven's mercy and help. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He also said, listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come into the house and eat with them and they with me. Let us pray. Lord, we come to your table trusting in your mercy and not in any goodness of our own. We are not worthy even to gather up the crumbs from under your table, but it is your nature always to have mercy and on that we depend. So feed us with the body and blood of Jesus Christ, your son, that we may forever live in him and he in us. Amen. This is what the Apostle Paul tells us concerning the institution of the Lord's Supper. For the tradition which I handed on to you came to me from the Lord himself, that on the night of his arrest, the Lord Jesus took bread and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Whenever you do this, remember me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in memory of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. Jesus offered a prayer of thanksgiving for bread and for wine, and we shall do the same. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for bread and for wine, ordinary things, which in your hands become extraordinary. We thank you for giving us something physical to help us remember you. Uh, your body broken for us, the bread broken your blood shed for us, the wine that we can taste, things to touch and see and taste. Thank you, Father, for putting these things into our hands. As we eat and drink, may we do so with thankful hearts. Amen. So after he'd given thanks, the Lord took the bread and he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you the body of Christ, broken for us. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, 
This cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink this, remember me. The blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Now going to God's word with joy and peace and love and hope in your hearts. And the blessing of God Almighty, Creator, Redeemer and Sustainer of all, be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen.